Hey guys. Hey. Amber here. And this is Charlie. Okay, so I'm going to jump right into it because I want to tell you guys about a new segment that Charlie and I have been working on for quite some time. Yeah, this is going to be super exciting. We wanted a way to kind of bridge the gap between us and our community. We've always been talking about building up women of color, their businesses, and just kind of encouraging and inspiring them. Yes. And not just women of color, people of color in general. Yeah. We're out here doing amazing stuff. There's people out there, especially in Los Angeles, that are doing really cool things that we wanted to find a way to highlight. Yeah. So although Ladies Doing Stuff has started off as Charlie and I sharing our stories, and so many people feel like they know us before we even meet. So awkward. (laughs) But we actually want to share business owners' stories. Yes, we want to highlight and showcase their stories, their struggles, their accomplishments, and where they are now and how that can help inspire you. Definitely. And hey, go out and support these people that we actually honestly love because we only mess with businesses and people that we really, really enjoy. Here's a little bit about Sam. He is disrupting the fashion industry by creating jeans that fit women of color. You know, we're a little bit curvy. Here's a little clip of our video that we did with Sam. Our very first Ladies Doing Stuff local business highlight. We dropped by the Academy to learn how Sam is making quality fashion that matters in a fast fashion world. Hey, how are you hey, doing? Sam. Good to see you. Hey. So we've got started developing our own ideal men's clothing for denims. So not like the standard. Yeah, not the standard. Yeah. Like cookie cutter. Let me pull it off exactly. of the shelf. Yeah. So our, I see. yeah, all of our fit is pretty unique that way. Real world fit is we measure the actual waist, the hips. Most people don't know where their actual hips are at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, or the waist. What it's happens like, if you don't? Want, you know, you don't want the truth. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a that's where fabrics comes in, like the weight, the different weight of the mm. fabrics. Okay. Um, you have a thinner fabric that shows everything. Mm. You have a thick fabric that does hide all the bumps and stuff like that. Mm. Um, I need the fabric. Why are you point to me? I just seen. For, for anybody that might need information. Yeah. Have for like women of color, aren't you? Yeah. So we have. She's a ex track runner. She has a unique body um, shapes and size because her waist is really thin. She has really um, thick hips. Yeah. Uh, what we learned from the men's market, we're going to apply to our women's denim. We uh, developed special fabrics that has um, a little stretch into it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also exploring fabric that uses uh, no plastics. So stretch without plastics. Plastics, yes. Mm-hmm. Which people don't understand how rare that is. Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, okay. You're like, no plastic. <laughs> yeah, so no. the reason why it got big because, um, again, we're, we're worried about the environment. Every time you wash the clothing, mm-hmm. um, a lot of those little plastics called microfibers get oh. into the ocean. We are exploring that avenue. Yeah, yeah, but at least you're doing something about it. And that's yeah. cool that, okay, you said she has a unique body shape and she wants to be environmentally conscious. So right. now you have this unique challenge. And your customers probably come to you for that challenge because not many people, especially the tailor down the street, they're not going to make sure it's environmentally friendly. Yeah. A lot of women's denim out there right now, um, they're not made like men's denim. Mm-hmm. You know, women's denim, their pockets aren't even real. It's kind of like shallow. Yeah. Um, the back pockets, everything's for fashion. Yes. And so now we're kind of like going back to the time when women clothing were actually real. Not fast fashion, but clothing that actually yeah. lasts. 
So that was a quick little preview of Sam and what he's doing for women of color. So innovative, so inspiring. Make sure you support him by checking out his website. Watch the full video on YouTube. Yes, subscribe too so you don't miss anything. There's so much other fun stuff on there. And if you know any local businesses, especially in the Los Angeles area, people out there doing amazing stuff, let us know. We want to highlight them. If you would like to be our next business spotlight, please email at hello at ladiesdoingstuff.com. Yes, or you can send us a DM, tweet us, whatever you need. Find us on Instagram, ladies doing stuff, or on Twitter, ladies do stuff. Yes, slide in the DMs. <laughs> that was nice. Yeah, I think I, I like that right there. I'm going to keep that. <laughs> Let's start the show. Okay, welcome back. This welcome. is Ladies Doing Stuff Podcast. And we have our best friend here. Hey. What's up, Mona? Hey. <laughs> As you guys notice, we are not in our regular studio setup yeah. today. We are taking residence here at the Academy. Yes, here in good old Long Beach. Yes. What's Make up? sure you visit Sam and his shop. He's doing amazing work here. So shout out to Sam. Yes, up, thank Sam? you, Sam. <laughs> So this episode is all about making changes. Yeah, definitely. Just like the Academy is making a lot of changes in the clothing industry, we mm -hmm. thought about the changes that we've made in our lives being women of color and learning how to, I guess, not go with the formula of go to school, get a job, right. be safe. And even if you did that, if you're thinking like, oh man, this was the wrong decision, it's okay to do something else. And so we kind of want to break down those barriers of why people can't do that or why it's so stigmatized or frowned upon oh, to yeah. make these changes. If you know it, the conversations I've had to explain to my grandmother about why I do what I do, <laughs> tell me if you've been there. Raise a hand, tap a foot. All right. <laughs> and Mona's going to help us with some insight because she made a huge, crazy change. And she's going to tell us all about that on this episode. So stay tuned. If this is your first time here, make sure you subscribe. Absolutely. Let's get into it. Mona, tell us about what you've done, where you've been. What are you doing now? Yeah, I've done a few things. Do you do stuff? <laughs> do you do stuff? Are you a lady doing all stuff? All the stuff. <laughs> No, yeah, I just finished a graduate program, and I'm super happy it's over. Wait, what the heck? <laughs> what graduate program? Like, what are you doing? I was doing a program at American University in mm -hmm. international peace and conflict resolution. What? So, wow. Yeah, everybody's like, oh, wow. That sounds but so important, It right? sounds so pretentious, doesn't it? <laughs> international <laughs> peace, right? Right. And conflict resolution. And conflict and resolution. resolution. That's insane. That's amazing. But it's, it's really not. Why? Because... Getting into graduate school is a huge feat, right? Like, if you're trying to do that, it's a selection process where you have to morph into either being somebody that is the typical applicant mm -hmm. or, like, having yourself showcasing, mm -hmm. like, your trauma or your experiences as a person of color. Yeah. So wow. You kind of have to exploit yourself, like, I deserve this because I've been right. through all of this. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, no, essentially, that's completely right. So that, to me, is a huge accomplishment, but... The stress and the politics and the hoops that I had to jump through while I was in school mm -hmm. was something that kind of disenchanted me with the academic scene in general mm -hmm. and with like the humanitarian scene and DC in general. Yeah. So the education, the academic part of it kind of detached you from why you were there in the first place? Yeah, that sense of the ivory tower and kind of like being in a place where people were literally ranked against each other mm -hmm. was something that I felt really powerfully was horrible and not good for cultivating intellectual thought or 
making people feel like what they have to say is important because at the end of the day, you don't get attached to names like that in an elite setting unless you are white or you are someone with privilege already. Mm. So like coming out of that, I realized the only way I was going to make a name for myself or get jobs that actually were going to help me pay down my student loans Mm -hmm. was if I like continuously exploited myself as like, this cultural Mm know-it-all or like somebody who like knows everything about the Middle East or like Arab people or whatever. Yeah. Tell us about your background. So our listeners. Um, I grew up in an Egyptian American household. So my mom is white. My dad is Egyptian. So it was constantly going back and forth Mm. between these two worlds, two dynamics and Mm -hmm. trying to figure out how I fit into that. I so very much identify as biracial. Like I can't pretend like I'm not one or the other. Right. But there's something really strange about like, serving or helping a white woman Mm, like even your mother (laughs) even my mom because I love my mom so very much and like that is never going to change right but like there's something that is a little bit off about like having myself be subservient to a white person even in my own home wow yeah that That runs deep (laughs) it really does yeah but I'm wondering how do you even start to feel that way? Like, is it from the outside, like the the external world who are giving you these social cues, like, hey, you should feel like this? Or has it always been like that? Well, I mean, my mom grew up in privilege that I would never have, right? And then a lot of that was tied to like our economic situation or mm-hmm. like my dad's mentality of like, we don't know if tomorrow is going to happen. So we have to work as hard as we can today. Like this complete like immigrant mentality of mm-hmm. we have to make it, we have to make it, but still being susceptible to predatory capitalist ideals and systems. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like I'm saying a lot of words. <laughs> but, words can be said here. But, but yeah, so it's like seeing the interactions between these two people from very different backgrounds, even though they attempted to create a combined household and then just kind of watching that fall apart. And then she she had a lot of deep-seated issues she never really got through and took it out on me and my brothers in a lot of ways. Mm. It sounds very serious, but we're all in a very good place now. Yeah, okay. But at the same time, because of those experiences and just knowing that she did come from privilege that I never experienced despite mm-hmm. being from her, just simply from the way that I looked or our family household situation, it makes it harder to reconcile like that idea that I'm supposed to be there to help her out and take care of her. So I don't know. And it's also, I think, very powerful for a young woman to see themselves in the image of their mother, right? Yeah. And I never felt that. My Mm. hair texture is different. My Mm. skin color is different. Mm -hmm. Um, The way that other people react to me is different. It's different different from her. Yeah. So, I mean... I don't give a shit. My mom can be white. I love her. She's awesome. But these differences are real. They're still there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh. Wow. Okay. So how did you get from graduating from this program? Right. right. You told me you worked in D.C. for a little bit. Is that correct? Yeah, I worked in a few different outlets just because I needed to see where I was going to fit in. Mm-hmm. Right. So I started off on Capitol Hill. I quit my job in two weeks. Oh, um, whoa. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, what was that It about? was a French exit, okay? Really? <laughs> You're done. I was like, like, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. I like that term, French exit. That's what we're going to use yeah. from now on. <laughs> that is a new uh, 
That is a new record, I believe. <laughs> Two, Two weeks. weeks. And yeah. it was it was graceless. Like, absolutely graceless. Oh, my God. You're, yeah. like, flinging papers all over the place, <laughs> setting stuff on fire. I was, like, confidential. What? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm tweeting this. Yeah. <laughs> I was working for a representative who's local to here. It was cool at first. I was working here at the local office, and we were doing a lot of community outreach, which I'm super about. So we were doing, like, presentations for Arabic-speaking populations who needed help with, like, paperwork or healthcare or whatever obviously right up my alley right I got asked to move over to the DC office because they knew I was going to school anyway Mm -hmm. and one of their their schedule and staffer he was leaving so I was like sure like why not I'll Mm -hmm. give it a try um I kid you not I've never been called a bitch so many times in the workplace like to your workplace face like what was a joke no like, hey, bitch. No. <laughs> I wish it had been like that. I really do. But there was one woman in the office who I guess, like, they really believe that hazing is an important part of getting into the scene. Pause. Is this humanitarian work? <laughs> Jokes. For conflict resolution and peace. And peace. International peace. This is where our laws are made. <laughs> like, wow. Know. You got, like, a DC frat party happening. Yeah. Pretty They're, much. like, chugging beer down here that's awful we're laughing but it's bad it was super awful um so you know on the day that trump was actually coming through here through this district we got a bunch of calls from constituents and one of the calls just kind of broke me uh the man was extremely racist and basically complaining about how mexicans were acting like black people and how it offended him to see his people act like black people whatever was he saying means. black people or was he saying the n-word he was definitely saying the n-word oh yeah. my god i can't i can't repeat that it made me really uncomfortable and i just started crying on the phone after a, a really horrible day of work then i get hit with like something that just reminds me that there is still so much hate especially in my hometown or mm-hmm. around my hometown and he could hear me like crying. sobbing yeah wow. and, and so he probably got fueled by that he was like really confused i think he was he started off really angry and then he was just kind of like what's happening <laughs> and i was like okay thanks for your call oh no <laughs> cuz you can't be mean to them right of course. and so he was just like Oh, well, uh, yeah, uh, thank you, thank you, sure. We both hung up, and I left my badge on the desk and left. Mm, And that was it. Yeah, I changed out of my heels into my Converse and was like, I'm never coming back here. Yeah, no. (laughs) What is it about the people that you work with that they weren't affected the same way? Were they just desensitized to it, or were, like, what... Who are these people? I don't know. I think that in the context of D.C. is kind of this place where people laugh about how those are literally the worst human beings Mm. ever. Yeah. Because I I went over to the State Department after that, which was actually really cool. But again, like I faced so many challenges because of my dual nationality. There's one room where all of the holographics on your passport are made. And someone just turned around and looked at me and was like, are you supposed to be in here? And I was like, I'm an American yeah, citizen. Yeah, like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> what does that mean? I passed the security check just like you yeah. did. Like, okay. And they were like, yeah, but don't you also have a passport from another country? I think you should leave. And then I learned that because of my heritage in Egypt, that I would never be eligible to work there as an American diplomat or, like, any other capacity. How is that okay? Exactly, right? Instead of tapping into the 
understanding and deep knowledge that I may have of this particular culture right. or like country or whatever, they were like, oh no, we don't know where your allegiances are. So oh, of course not. <laughs> I was like, is this an episode of are the X-Files? Are you loyal to America? <laughs> House of Cards shit right The there. Americans, yeah. are you spying on us right now? <laughs> is Mona even your real name? Two N's, two A's. Who am I what kidding? is that? <laughs> that is ridiculous. <laughs> So what happened? Did they reach out like, hey, are you coming back or? Well, I left Capitol Hill and yeah, they did call me on Monday morning just being like, where are you? And I called back being like, I'm never coming back. Like, didn't you see my badge on the table? Yeah. I don't know. They're like, we me? lost another one. <laughs> it was like ticking off box or this was like a tally. <laughs> yeah. So you went from there. Yeah. And you were just done. You're like, I am not trying to be in this environment and just fueled with hate. So you decided to make this major change into what now? Well, now I'm doing comedy. Yeah, and it's been really cool. It's been an awesome journey. And I mean, I went from Capitol Hill to State Department. I just was like, I've gone through the DC circuit. Like Mm -hmm. the only other place for me left to try out would be the White House. And Mm -hmm. that's not happening. And I- You sure you don't want to pull up? (laughs) See what happens? Just honk a few times, Mm -mm. real Trump. (laughs) So I can be the person that they bring out for congressional hearings and be like, see, we have an Arab. Yeah, oh my God, just standing in the back. Yeah, they're going to pin you right behind them. And be like, (laughs) we have one. Just one though, we don't know anybody. She's even a woman. Bonus points, 20 points. (laughs) So now you're in comedy, and what does that mean for you? Do you write? Do you do TV? Yeah, I mean, right now I'm doing a lot of awesome writing with, like, local people, so that's, like, a really cool outlet for me to flex in that arena. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've mostly just been doing a lot of open mics and shows. Like stand-up? Yeah, stand-up, for sure. It's been really cool, because after such a hectic work life and then also being diagnosed with cancer in 2018... I just kind of looked at myself and I was like, what about my life right now do I even like? Wow, I, I did not know that. Oh, jokes. <laughs> We're like, Mona, up. you got me. Are you, are you, you didn't know that? Wait, oh, I, I, I knew that. No, I, I knew that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm Mona. like, you just drove past that. And that's, not that that needs to be the focus. No. That's obviously not like who you are. Right. But like, I had no idea. I did not know that about you. Yeah. So I was working at my last position in D.C. when I was diagnosed. And it was just like full-time school, full-time work. And then suddenly I had to do all of these treatments and checkups and stuff like that. And I just felt horrible. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so the night that I was diagnosed, I couldn't, I couldn't like reconcile it, you know? And so I was just like, okay, well, what am I doing with my life? Where am I going? What feels authentic? What doesn't? Mm -hmm. And I just kind of came to the conclusion that I wasn't happy with anything I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's really, it's like definitely a symptom of being a woman and especially a woman of color that I think we like subconsciously rank our dreams Mm. and then in some ways we're like wait I'm really afraid of this one there's no way I'm going to be able to do that Mm. let me go here yeah Um, that safe spot yeah and like I knew that I could do the things I was doing so I was like okay I can do that let me just do it coupled with like a lot of other hectic issues I was just like this is my safe plan let me do it but I wasn't happy and the idea that my life was on a timeline or hadn't ability to end much sooner than I thought it was going to it kind of just made me think like what am I really doing Mm -hmm. and like why why am I here in the first place if I feel like this right now yeah so I I was like okay I packed up all my shit and I drove up to Jersey where my friend lives at I left all of my stuff for her house and came back to LA and so I was just like I need time to like regroup think about where I'm going what I'm doing 
And it's been a journey. So I started doing stand-up in December mm -hmm. because I got to a point where I couldn't sleep and I felt anxious and I was staying up for long hours and I was like, what's wrong with me? Where am I going? What am I doing? And like all of these like very yeah. extraneous questions that often make us believe that our productivity is tied to our self-worth when yeah. it's really not. Exactly. And so um, I came to, to think, okay, well, I've been wanting to be on stage for a really long time and I have all this shit I need to talk about. And I hate it when people react to me like, that's devastating. Oh my God, I'm so sorry for you. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, I'm kind of done with that narrative, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, I'm tired of people being sorry for me. Mm -hmm. I'm tired of people telling me how strong I am. I'm tired of yeah. all of that. Like, I just want to be a person yeah. that has all of these experiences and I'm just trying to figure out life like everyone else, yeah. right? Yeah, and that's why we're here. Yeah, so. yeah. Thank you for sharing <laughs> that with us. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much. So comedy is your outlet. So yeah. one, you're not only like, hey, I'm stronger than this diagnosis, but I am going to share my experiences with you and I'm going to make you laugh while, yeah. while doing it. Yeah. 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 So make us laugh right now. Jokes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, you are a hoot. So if you can, just tell us a little bit about what it was like. I mean, for you, for your friends, your family, when you were like, I quit DC, I'm going to do stand up. Oh, yeah. What'd you, what did they have to say about that? Okay. I, I, I want to hear dad's reaction <laughs> specifically. Yes. <laughs> When I quit over in D.C. and I came back home, my dad was so relieved. Wow. Yeah, he was Progressive dad. So relieved. He was. He like, probably saw it in you and your energy mm, like she is not happy sure. there. No, definitely. I definitely felt that from him. And also, like, I think he just wanted me to be closer to the rest of my family. Mm. So and, That's love right there. Yeah. And my mom has been a little bit ill, so it was timely in the sense that she really needed someone to be there for her, too. So, I mean... If I showed you side-by-side -side pictures of her before I came back, like right before I came back, mm -hmm. and now, like, it's like almost as though she lost like four years. Mm. Like, wow. she looks so much better and is just like so much more lively. And we're not, I'm not really affectionate with my family all the time. And so just those little differences and acknowledgements mm -hmm. is really important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it, it really made me feel like I am valued in this particular setting. And like there is worth to me being here, not just for myself, but for the people that I care about. Yes. So it was it was cool. I didn't really share with them that I was doing comedy when I mm -hmm. first started. Um, I'm very like covetous of that outlet because it's one of the very few things in my life that I feel strongly about and that I feel like the happiest doing. Mm -hmm. And so I really want to protect it. Um, but I did I did talk to my dad on the phone a few times, and he was like, "You have to promise me you'll never do an accent <laughs> like of him." Oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, I can't even. I can't. You can't like, promise, or you can't. You're do like, it. I did it last week, though. <laughs> like, Dad, everybody loved it. <laughs> no, I. I mean, when I hear him, I hear myself. No. There's really not much difference. Mm -hmm. And um, he was like, Yeah, don't make fun of my English. I was like, You don't even want to hear what I'm gonna make fun of. Like, <laughs> that's like the least of your worries. <laughs> But my mom was like, oh, I'd love to come see one of your shows. And I was like, thank you for the support. But until I can make enough money to not rely on you, I don't think you should hear what I have to say. <laughs> Fair. Wait, why? I make fun of my that's mom That's her inspiration. A oh. Like, a lot. And it's not like, see, the thing is, is that I don't say that stuff out of malice towards her. Mm -hmm. And half the time, I don't even really believe it. But I know it's funny. Yeah. So it's like, there's a kernel of truth that you just kind of spin it out. And you're like, wait. So I still get to say what I need to say, but then also other people are going to be like, holy shit, she just said that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's pretty great. But 
I think that she wouldn't understand that it was just a joke. Yeah. yeah. Or it's far removed. It'll hurt her. Yeah. I mean, same thing with us. We have a podcast. Yeah. It's not exactly stand up, but we use a lot of our own experiences as fuel for what we have to talk about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, people have taken that kind of personally. A lot of text messages, a lot of comments. I heard what you said. Uh, It wasn't a secret. Uh, Yeah, I said said it. It's on the internet. Yeah, it is pretty tough walking that that thin line of yeah. like, okay, sharing your experiences versus hurting someone else. Yeah, right. even when you don't use names, somehow it's just like, oh, they already know. They could find out. Like, all right, huh. uh, maybe they could. <laughs> I mean, if any of them take the time to Google and search something and it pops up, that's on them. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm not gonna drag anybody out there and be like, no. hey. And I I also feel like, okay, if you have to dig dig that deep and think that everything is about you, then maybe you get on the point. Yeah, get over yourself a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, guys, whoever. Rant. (laughs) Rant over. So I want to talk about the emotional and mental struggle between switching over because I don't know if it's just America. I mean, that's the only perspective I know. Mm -hmm. But there is always this duel inside of us. It was like, okay, should I stay? I invested so much time in this one thing, like going to school or my relationship or whatever the case is. Like, I don't want to leave it. Yeah. There's a scarcity battle that I feel Mm. like we all deal with. Like, I don't want to lose time. I don't want to waste time. I already did this. So I have to keep going. Yeah. Think of where I could be in five years instead of considering whether or not you even wanted to be there. Exactly. Exactly. And it's just so crazy. I'm like, how did we start thinking like this and why do we think like this if it's so easy I'm not gonna say it's easy because it's not easy to make a change it's not easy it takes a lot and sometimes it takes a moment of crisis Mm -hmm. Um, my personal change from going from a creative career to another creative career yes fashion to teaching totally different Mm -hmm. people look at me like I'm crazy Mm -hmm. like oh you were so good though I'm like I know (laughs) (laughs) and I'm humble too Um, but like okay so what all of a sudden I lost my talent I lost my gift I lost what I had to offer the world because I didn't stay on that path not mm-hmm. the way I see it. The way I see it is I have a new gift you to offer something. that gives something back to me. Yeah. And that's the tuning out the background noise. The peanut gallery yeah. is the hardest part sometimes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think us as a society, we're so focused on, okay, you go to school for one thing, you do this one career, mm-hmm. you're good at it. And what I'm starting to realize is that I have so many different interests and talents. And I was talking to one of my clients about this and I was like, dude, I don't know what I want to do. I want to do everything. And I'm like, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Cause I'm like, I want to learn more about science. I want to do Thai massage. I want to, you know, go travel and speak languages. And I'm like, but for what, like what purpose would this serve me? Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know what? Let me tell you something. If you have an inclination to do something, you should follow your instinct and just do it because you have no idea how that's going to help you yeah. or how you're going to be able to help somebody else down the road that's huge yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and I was like what well, that just gave me so much inspiration it's like you know what I don't have to have a reason or justify what I want to do to like I want to yeah I want to learn Portuguese just because but yeah. who knows where that will take me mm-hmm. people don't understand exactly how what you're doing is going to help you later on mm. and I'm living proof that everything I did to work in the fashion industry I still use today yeah every single thing that is that's so crazy yeah and i do something totally different now guess what i do it better in a lot of ways because of my experiences Mm -hmm. because of the detours because of the differences and you know what 
even the detours between fashion and teaching, I realized I'm better at what I do because I'm so sure about it. I explored another Fucking path. real. Right? Yeah. I, that, that part, they don't want you to know that. Why don't they want they you to know? They don't want us to know, Sway. They don't want us to know. We <laughs> got the answers. I just wanted to drop that in because I spent so much time apologizing for the changes that mm. I made. And I was thinking, oh, man, but I do know how to do things that they don't. Yeah. Because of where I've been. Exactly. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the struggle like for you? Or did you, were you just like, you know what? I'm going to do what I want to do because I'm done feeling like this. Or were you, was there an internal battle? Like, oh my God, I went to school for this. I spent so much time in DC. People are expecting me to continue on with this. People are relying on me. Yeah, so I had a conversation with an undergraduate friend of mine. She was like, I'm so envious of you, of me, right? Because everything that you do is for you and because you want to do it. Mm. So she was talking about how a lot of what she felt like her decision-making process was, was reflecting on what other people wanted for her. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't really know why, but there were some things in my life that I let get affected by that. But a lot of professional-oriented things or life trajectory things, I would be like, that is my shit. Like, right. Let me do what I need to do. Mm-hmm. Maybe because that was the only space in my life that I really felt complete control over. Right. But it was not as painful to leave D.C. as I thought it might have been because I was just so very done. Yeah. Like, I faced racism in a way that I never did. And that growing pain in itself was really difficult. And much as you were talking about how you carried your experiences with you to something new... I feel like that now. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I get a little bit like distraught, like I'm too old to be coming into the game. Bitch, I'm 27. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then I start like thinking, this is like the most irrational lady thought I have. I'm like, fuck, my forehead is not getting any younger. <laughs> lady thoughts. You got to be careful with that forehead. Your forehead and your neck and your hands. They tell your age. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, your hands. Okay, you're good. All right, cool. You don't look 27. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I start getting envious of like the younger people that I see who are starting on the scene at 16, oh, yeah. 19, mm. 23. Okay, and but they haven't failed enough to be successful. I mean, but for real. Like what experience? What are you going to say? Like, oh, I came out of my mom's womb and now, now here I am. Like, no, that's... I mean, that's like one of the reasons why I'm just like, well, I had to take my journey and here I am where I'm at. And like, just as you were talking about... We have many passions, yeah. and this generation is not like the generations before us. Mm-hmm. We have the luxury in a lot of ways to be able to pursue all of those passions, yeah. sometimes simultaneously and sometimes in different sequences. Mm-hmm. So whenever I get really down on myself for, well, you could have avoided that. Well, you could have not done that. But didn't I have to? Yeah, because, in order to learn something. Right. If I didn't have those multiple weeks of not sleeping, like, nights and nights in a row because of work or school or whatever, would I have still been able to hit the rock bottom that I really feel that you need to, to be able to be like, well, shit, this is my life and I'm going to share it with all you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's been a journey, but I'm happy for it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I want to hear from that, that silent other half that followed the path and they're convincing themselves as they look into the mirror every day. I'm okay with my choices. Yeah. I mean, I got into a space where I was like that for a while because I was so deeply ingrained in my life over there that Mm -hmm. it was like, I had to be like, this is okay on some level. I chose this. I wanted this. You're trying to convince yourself. Mm -hmm. Exactly. If you have to rationalize something to yourself on a daily basis, I guess we have to wonder, should you be doing that thing? Exactly. shouldn't have to talk ourselves into it 100%. um if it's your children i'm sorry you're kind of stuck but do i really else? want you as a child <laughs> don't think about it Just, <laughs> yes <laughs> how 
worked yourself. <sighs> you have 15 days to drop them off at the fire department. Well, that is good to know. <laughs> Just After so you that, know. <laughs> you're screwed. Are you 16 days old? All right. <laughs> Somebody's sad story. Okay. <laughs> why, are, why do we laugh about the most horrific things? I think you that's the beauty to. of it. Yeah. Mona, tell us, why do we laugh about the most horrific things? I think that it's two sides of the same coin. So I have this joke where I'll talk about, you know, I love my mom. I love hanging out with her. I'm happy I can be there for her. But I'm not really into seeing her nude body because I have to help her shower. And oh, so, like, oh. watching her get undressed and get dressed, it's like, shit, is that me in 50 years? Wow. And I'm just like, maybe dying young isn't really that bad. And vanity. <laughs> and then I, like, go on to say, and this usually gets, like, really big laughs. But I was just like, oh, well, I love her, but... I got to admit, I'm really ready for her to go. Shit. And like out of context, of course, it's not going to be funny. But for some reason, whenever I build up to it on stage, people are like, did she just fucking say that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like so shocking that people laugh. I have no, I mean, I'm not really doing it for the reaction. I'm doing it because yeah. I need to hear myself say it. Right. Yeah. And so like when I hear people laugh at stuff like that, I'm like, this is because art is how people rationalize that we're going to die. Mm. This is how people figure out this is life and then it's going to end. At least that's how I interpret the artistic and creative endeavors that I involve myself in. I think that when people are met with that kind of confrontation of authenticity or of this is a very real life situation that I could be in, mm-hmm. they're like, shit, and yeah. you got to laugh it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's inspiring. Honestly, Um, to everyone out there, please follow that path. I mean, do it in a smart way. There's nothing wrong with being smart about it. Exactly. We're not saying throw all care and caution to the wind and follow your dreams. Yeah, do that. But yo, I still got to go to work tomorrow, y'all. Yeah, you still got bills to pay. But say if you have something stashed and you want to put in your one day notice, If you want to make that French exit, yes. do please, it. Please share your story with us. That Brexit. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but just make sure you tell us what. Oh, I love hearing quitting stories. We'll do a quitting episode. Yeah. Don't I you worry. This. I have many quitting stories that are like that, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I quit this bitch. <laughs> I'm out this bitch. Or just like, who the fuck do you think you are kind of stories. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I would love to hear that. <laughs> My dream, I mean, I'll never be in this situation, but I just want to get on intercom and be like, fuck all y'all. You know what I mean? <laughs> just like tell off the whole store for no reason. Oh, like, she man. doesn't even go here. <laughs> anyway. I did that in 2011. Oh, my God. Yeah. She's like, you're all of our <laughs> It was devastating at the time but after I walked out of it because I was like shaking I was like did I really just do that I was working at it's a grind which no longer exists because that bitch who managed it was a hoe what (laughs) she was a bitch and a hoe she was both and then the day she called me in I she didn't even really call me in. I was going in for a normal shift Mm -hmm. but then I saw my name crossed out on all the schedule oh and so she was like Mona sit down we need to talk and I was like no you sit down oh and I was just like I'm gonna take my paycheck I don't need to hear your shit goodbye and then I like stormed out I love yeah. it. I was like 19. Dang. Yeah. Well, you've always had a little fight in you, huh? She's saucy. She's like, leave me alone. I already get enough shit from other people. Leave me alone. That's like pretty much how I think most of the time. I ain't mad at it. <laughs> That's why we have you here. <laughs> I was just like, oh, damn, am I scared of <laughs> I don't know. Never pulled a knife on anyone, though. She, so. She's like, not yet, but next Tuesday. Yeah, she's like, it's on my know. list. <laughs> Shit's rough. <laughs> so, Mona, let me ask you a question. How do we get to change people's mindsets about making that change? How do we get them to see it a little bit more positively? 
I feel like I had to see the darkest shit to be able to get to a place where I was ready to accept that I was worthy of having good and nice things or a good life or a happy life. And even now I still really struggle with that because I just constantly compound and carry on my shoulders all of the struggles that the people that came before me had to go through or all the struggles that I see very close friends of mine go through. And it just like, it, it simultaneously fuels my fire because I think I have to do more and be more for my community and for the people in my life. Totally. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it just makes me like very, very resentful of the people who never have to face that kind of stuff. Mm. So it's like this dual edged sword where I need to be able to figure out how to silence this voice Mm -hmm. so that this voice can prevail. Mm -hmm. I think what really helped me with my narrative was that your why is allowed to change. Right. Totally. So like my motivation at the beginning of starting comedy was literally so I could sleep. The first night I came home after doing an open mic, I was, like, blissful. <laughs> it was so cool. Wow, because you just <laughs> always wanted to do it, and you're like, I can't stop thinking about it, so I need to make this happen. In some way, yeah, because when I started thinking about, okay, why am I even here? Why was this my remedy? Mm-hmm. It's because there were all these clues throughout my entire life of this is what your right now is leading up to. Mm-hmm. So I think that you need to trust your intuition because that shit is going to be right. Mm-hmm. and. Yeah allow yourself to fail and be okay with the fact that your motivations will change because that was then and now all I can think about is well how am I going to make it possible to create a space for myself and for women like me right Mm. like everything about being visibly Arab in America is to be someone who is not valued or to be someone who is immediately discredited Mm -hmm. or in the political climate ever since the Gulf War I feel like my community has been silenced in so many different ways. Mm. That's become my current why. And I know that it will change again in the future, but there's nothing more satisfying than seeing yourself doing the stuff that you always imagine yourself to be doing. I can't disagree yeah. with that. Yes, definitely <laughs> yeah. fulfilling your purpose. And we were talking about that on a past episode. Yeah. It's just a reoccurring theme. Like definitely go with your passion and whatever fulfills you, like whatever dream you had when you were little and you still have it while you're here, just just go for it. Go for it. And be smart about it. I'm sorry. I still yes, got to say that. Amber needs to be smart. I'm <laughs> just like, throw everything to the wind. Just yeah. move to a different country. You'll be fine. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of both. Yeah. yeah. You can do both. Yeah. You totally can. Take the Amber and Charlie approach. Yeah. With a little bit of Mona on top. A little sprinkle of Mona. Sprinkle, sprinkle it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for listening and watching. If you didn't already, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure you guys go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe. If you're a podcast listener, you can find us on your favorite platform. No joke. Yes. We're there. (laughs) Well, thank you again. This is Charlie. And this is Amber. And I'm Mona. (laughs) Roll call. (laughs) We'll see you guys next time. Signing off. Just light us up. Light it up. Light it up. Is that an Imagine Dragons song? What are you singing? Light it up. Radioactive. No, it's Fall Out Boy. It's new Fall Out Boy. What are you singing? It's like, I hope's gonna live it. No, that's Panic at the Disco. Uh, Different white boy. I hate the, oh my god. Every time I turn on the radio. Different white boy. Yes. Wasn't it Journey? I think it was Journey.